G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. Now you know that 1100 is my demand. And then we will look at within those five mile radius, how much is the supply? How many, how many existing facilities are there? Um, in my case, and I just really gave you the numbers. Um, in my case, you know, my, my, uh, my supply is only 115 beds. Existing wow. supply. So even if I add an, another 150 units, my supply, my demand still remains the four times the supply. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Prashant Kumar. Now, Prashant is the owner of My Realty Gains, which helps assist busy professionals to invest in grade A real estate investment opportunities and provide stable cash flow returns and long-term appreciation. He has acquired and managed over $32 million worth of real estate. He has his own podcast, his own webinars, his own platform, and he's also an expat like myself. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge about building something from scratch here in the US. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Prashant. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, Reed. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate you taking the time and interviewing me. Um, I'm here. You know, you ask me any questions what you want. And, um, you know, uh, thanks for the great introduction. 
My pleasure, my friend. Well, look, this show is all about getting to know you. So what I like to do is with it, with the start of every show is tell, I'll ask this one question to all my guests, rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah. So basically, you know, I, I mean, I, I came from an entrepreneur background. Okay. I mean, my, my family was, you know, businessmen, my dad, my granddad, I mean, and, and we used to have like combined family, you know, like joint family back in India, you know, and, you know, kids live with your parents, parents live with their, their parents. So we, we, we were three generations living together. Mm-hmm. So I got up, you know, I got up, I got exposed to business at a very early age. You know, I must say that at the age of, eight or nine i was i was used i mean i used to be spending time with my granddad used to do or my my dad used to do and i used to take care of some some business in the back you know like at the age of, by age of 12 i would go to go to go with my dad to the bank you know deposit the money take out the money and run around um, i mean i wouldn't do the negotiations and stuff like that but I would do the background work, you know. So I and at that age, you know, I mean, my grandpa used to give me uh, one rupee a day. That is <laughs> le- less than less than a cent. Uh, I mean, about a cent, uh, I would say, uh, about a cent a day. And I used to save that even. So at the end of the month, my goal was was to have. Uh, and I used to trick him. You know, I used to say there there are eight days in a week, not seven. <laughs> so he used to give me eight eight rupees a week. So by the end of the week, you know, my goal was to have 30 rupees in my my pocket. And I used to spend two, you know, eight for the 32, right? I mean, so I used to spend two rupees and I used to save. So I come from that mentality, you know, not that I'm, I was miser or anything. So I always had spend little, save more. So that was right. my mentality. And that went along, went with me even today. You know, I spend little and I save more. And, um, you know, I went to school, a good school in India, you know, one of the top one of the top institutes. I graduated. I worked in different parts of the world and then came to U.S., worked in various multifamily, not multi, multinational companies all over the all over the country, managed resources across the world. And always the mentality was save more, not save more, spend less and accumulate wealth. But at some point, you know, you realize that, listen, how much can you save? You know, you are working, you get paid only what you, you get paid only what you work for, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like you are trading your time. So that was hurting me somewhere, you know. it. I mean, I became a consultant in 2007. And as a consultant, you know, you get paid for the time you work, work on the clock, right? I mean, you get paid very high, but you don't get paid if you get sick. So that used to hurt me. I mean, for 10 years, I did not take a day off. Can you believe wow. that? Because, <laughs> because it was hurting me. You know, if I take a day off, I would make make up stories. I would work in the night if I had to take I need. So long story short, um, for 10 to 12 years, I did not take a day off. And then it's wow. dawned at me, buddy, buddy, it's not worth. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. worth. What, what am I saving for, you know? Um, uh, what am I saving for? I mean, I need to do something. I need to make my money work for me. You know, I saved a lot of money. I'm mean, as a consultant, you know, I used to, and I'm not a tax advisor, but I used to take lesser uh, W-2 and I used to save a lot in my pension fund and stuff like that. Accumulated a lot of money um, uh, with the folks, you know, at my age, I had, I had a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So after that, guys, I said, I said, listen, I have to find some, some vehicle where I can put my money and let it grow. Otherwise, it is not going to grow, you know, I mean, because we as technical people are so 
so focused in working, working, working. You know, it's my mind used to. We think that this is the world. I mean, it's like like a like a frog in the in the well says, "This is my world." And we used to think. And even now, I mean, I know so many people. You know, they just focus like sharp, laser focus, and they cannot think. They cannot think um, like having the blinders. You know, like a horse mm-hmm. has when they run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they just think that this is their world. This is their direction. And and when I remove them, I see so much, um, so much op- opportunities, so many things in the world. If you are an entrepreneur, you can make money wherever you want. If yes. that's your goal. Not that that's not that that's my goal. My I come from a humble background. My 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 two cents are I want to give back to the world. And how mm-hmm. can I do that? I do a lot of things in my life: charity, philanthropy, things like that. For that, I need time. Mm-hmm. I do. I did not have time for fifteen years. I used to go to those events and I still used to work to cover my eight hours. You know, so I was like sort of working double double shifts. So I mean, all in all, I have reached to a level where I said, "Listen, guys, I have to give it up." I am not working anymore, and I'm I'm spending my time with my family and spending time what I do, what I like to do most. You know, have my own poor podcast, talking to folks like you, you know, fine gentlemen like you, um, you know, spreading my knowledge, and and that's my journey. That's 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 awesome, and I think the question for me coming out of that, and speaking to a lot of expats who come to this country who who want to do more with their life. Do you remember the point in which you said enough was enough and I can't be working 60, 70 hours a week? What, 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 what was that day look like for you? Yeah, so I think that that was not a light bulb for me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like a simmering in my heart slowly, slowly, slowly. And and I started investing into real estate and real estate started making money. And I said, listen, you know, this is too good to be true for me. You know, I don't pick up the phone. I don't call my pro. I mean, not that I don't, but I spend literally five minutes or maybe a text, you know, to talk to my property manager. And, and that's it. It makes me money. I said, mm-hmm. buddy, it cannot be happening. I mean, I work so hard, so freaking hard, 40, 50, 60 hours is like normal, right? I mean, you know mm-hmm. that, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about it earlier. 60 hours is like normal. And if you are lucky and if you get paid for 40, you still get paid for 40 hours. So point is... Um, that thing was simmering in my heart and I, uh, and it still simmers, you know, I mean, even though I don't work, sometimes I feel like I should work, but uh, <laughs> um, I said, I, unless I take a break, I cannot do it. You know, you I end up I'm, in the grave. Half, I'm half hearted, you know, I'm not working. I'm not putting my full time effort in my job. I'm not working full time effort in my work. I mean, my real estate work or for that matter, anything else that I like. So I need to focus if I, because I was, I was starting to make mistakes. You know, you, you, you don't review contracts properly. You mess around, you know? So mm-hmm. I said, listen, I have to take a break. Opportunity showed up, you know, my, my project was, and I said, that's it for now. And I'll come back after some time. And I haven't gone back since then. Well, talk to us about that first opportunity. Like how did you make that transition from consultant into real estate full time? What, what did that look like? So consultant into real estate full-time, that was a big, big thing. You know, big thing means, you know, my my fat pay, paycheck, you know, mm-hmm. was not coming anymore. So that was like a scary thing. You know, you really, really get scared. You know, what would happen if this paycheck doesn't come? Uh, fortunately, I have other cash flows 
Uh, I mean, my wife is still um, thinks about it, and she says you have to go back to work. I said, listen, that's not that's not happening, uh, at least for uh, for some time. So it it was it was gut wrenching. Obviously, it was gut wrenching, and you know you are giving up your career. I mean, you have worked so hard, top of the institute. You know, for thirty years worth of work, you are giving up. But at some point, you have to say, listen, this is enough. I mean, normal, normal, normally one person remains in a in a career path for seven to nine years. Okay, that's that's the normal statistics. And I stayed in 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 one career for for almost thirty years. So wow. I said, I said, buddy, if I stay here a little bit longer, then I cannot do it. You know, I'm all, mm-hmm. I was already like more than forty five at that time, and I said, if if I stay here for a few more years, then I could not quit. If I have to quit, I have to quit now. Um, and and that's you know, I just took a leap a leap of faith. I just gathered my finances. I said, listen, as long as I can survive with the cash flow without depending on somebody else. I should be able to quit, and, and I was making enough money passively uh, from my investments. So I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm moving on." And finally, it's so interesting that, that even at 45, you know, some people would think 45 it's too old. You, you know, like you 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 set in your ways. You're you're not you know you, you, your feet are stuck in mud. You're not going to yeah. do anything. But that's awesome to see. And I think for the people listening, like it's you know, I got started as an entrepreneur. You. Know, mid 20s you know a lot of people listening to the show they, they are of a younger generation so it's great to hear someone like yourself coming into this space becoming an entrepreneur and not really f- realizing your roots until you were in your mid 40s which is you know again I want that to sink and, and, and wash over people because that is so important it's not all about oh I wish I'd started when I was 20 years of age well Guess what? I'm now 45 years of age. I want to start now. <laughs> so, so your proof that you can that you can always teach an old dog new tricks, yeah. and it's so important to, to keep being humble and keep being young at mind to know that you can push yourself. Because there would have, I'm sure your wife and your kids and your family would have said, Prashant, what are you doing? Like you've got a great career. What are you, you going to throw this all away? I'm sure those those conversations happened, right? Every day, those conversations happen. I mean, every, I mean, it's like a it's like a trap, right? I mean, right. it comes to your mind, it kind of takes over your mind, you know. And mm-hmm. I try to remain positive, you know. My wife, it comes to my, my wife's mind, you know, my kids are dead, even any going back to work. My daughter says, you know, <laughs> my wife says, oh, what's happening? Why don't you go back to work? You know, you have stopped that fat check. I, I said, just remain focused. Let me do what I'm doing. I make a spreadsheet. I tell her, if I was working, I would have made this much. Um, now I'm making this much and this is my growth. And over the mm-hmm. next, in the next, you know, whatever time period, I'm going to surpass that and I will continue to surpass that for future. So that, I mean, I, I kind of reassure them. Um, I mean, in a way it is good that they keep on reminding me, mm-hmm. but I mean, I have to stick to what, and I'm there. It's not that I'm I'm too far. Um, I wanted to do it for a long, long time. I found an opportunity. If you have an opportunity, I always say that start early. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one thing, like you said, you know, I wish I could have started at the age of 20. That's what I'm going to teach to my kids, you know, start early. You don't have to be working for 20 years. Yes, maybe you have to work for a year or two, five, maybe to kind of understand how people work, how hard they work. I mean, I was working 14 hours a day at that time. Even now I work at, at least that much. You know, my day starts at six, it ends at 11. So I end up working approximately the same amount of time. 
you know, but I do different things. You know, I talk to you, I talk to different people, you know, I, you know, I do different things, whatever I like to do. I go to swimming, you know, if I have to, so mm-hmm. whenever I want, right? So that's the freedom I have and, and I'm liking it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me, what does the, the portfolio look like today? And what is that, how did that first deal come about um, to help you break out of the W2 world? So my, my see, I started, I mean, I, basically after I left, I have not added too much in my portfolio yet, but my portfolio had grown even while I was working. I started, you know, with 24 units myself. I bought it myself and I realized I cannot continue to do that for a long time. Like, you know, three single families and then 24 units within six months period, uh, seven, eight years ago. And then another 72 units, those things I bought for myself, but there was nothing else after that because, you know, your, your dry powder dries, really dries, dries up. So mm-hmm. I started getting into syndication, um, you know, like everybody else, I had good deals. I had bad deals. Uh, in last seven, eight years, I've done total 19 deals That's awesome. as as general partners, um, uh, you know, raised a lot of equity from my friends, family members. Um, and uh, uh, I tried to do one deal uh, last year um, through, you know, under my name, under my umbrella, which fell off. I lost a little bit of money there because of money was hard, uh, stuff like that. It was an assumption deal. Um, mm-hmm. So... And the bank did not approve the assumption, the pre-equity piece uh, until the last day of the contract. So that fell off. But so you end up learning a lot, basically. You end up learning mm. a lot. Then I'm into assisted living also. I have a few assisted living projects um, in California. I did them three years ago. And um, now I'm working on two assisted living projects, conversion from hotel to assisted living. Um hotel to assisted living and nursing home to assisted living they are on the horizon to close um, pretty soon i mean i, I must say within the next three three months they are that they take a little longer time you know because banks don't uh, give you the loan unless you know a lot of things are approved pre-approved so they are um, they are right there i mean they may close in the next couple of months um for now just for now um i'm just building my backbone so to say to you know, be able to raise more equity. We are not, we are not in acquisition mode um, for, you know, for the reasons, you know, uh, the economy is a little bit up and down. So we are just in a holding pattern for a couple of weeks, maybe I would say. Uh, then we start looking at more acquisitions, uh, probably, you know, either late this year or uh, early next year. So, I mean, overall, um, as I said, you know, 19 deals so far. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you will automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. Talk to me a little bit about the assisted living play. How does does that sort of work? What size are you doing? And I'd love to understand the conversion from hotels to assisted living. Yeah, so I started with six units, right? Six unit 
family in California, you know, California, they have six beds, uh, assisted mm-hmm. living projects. So we, we, three of us got together and we acquired three homes. So in a sense, you know, I have one home, probably six bed. Um, yes, we get higher rent, but then it is a little bit more intensive of work uh, because it needs an administrator and, it, you know, so the expenses are high. So our expenses, including our debt service, are approximately, you know, 70%. You know, if mm-hmm. we are full, it's one third that we make. Yep. If we are not yep. full, then you, you end up losing money on the on the deal. Mm-hmm. So the important thing in this is basically for you to, uh, you to measure the demand and the supply, right? I mean, so the, the two places that I'm trying to convert from hotel to um, hotel to assisted living, demand and supply is the play. You know, if the demand is high, then you can create more supply. So the place that I have chosen, and it is like Sierra Vista, Arizona, there um, the demand is four times the supply, including the new supply that I'm planning to create. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, your demand is four times the supply. There's no 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 more competition. So I just thought, let me just buy this thing and and try to convert it. Um, and uh, if we get to ninety percent occupancy, eighty five percent occupancy, um, project IRR is upwards of twenty twenty five IRR wow. returns uh, at a very conservative numbers. Um, so overall, looking okay. I mean, but again, you have to go through. Um, you have to go to the city, you have to go to the permits, you know, construction, then you go to state and, you know, state gives you the license, you know, administrator is assigned to the building. So a lot, lot more regulations, you know. Yep. A lot more, a lot more hoops to jump through, which means there's also less, less competition for you, right? hundred percent. There's no competition at all. Right. Right. Well, you are the only one, you know. You're, fi- you're figuring it out. You're figuring it out. So talk, talk to me. When you look at the, you say the su- supply versus demand, what are you looking at specifically for those people out there, you know, wanting to know a little bit more about the, yeah, this? Yeah, so basically what is what is a demand in assisted living? Assisted living demands re- represents the, the age, right? I mean, you look at the p- county population, you look at the age, you know, 72 plus, how many people, how many folks live in your primary market area, you know, within five mile radius. And from them, how many would would be the likely candidate uh, to go to assisted living? So so let's say you're within the primary PMA, you have 10,000 people at 72 years of age, you take them and you divide them by one third to see, say that, okay, the out of these, you know, some people may go stay home, whatever, mm-hmm. you say one third probably will go to assisted living and more importantly who will be able to pay so mm-hmm. one third will go to assisted living but one third of that one third are ed- eligible to go to assisted living and one third of them are really able to pay themselves i'm talking about private pay only so so 10000 divided by 9 divided by 3 and then again divided by 3 is about 1100 so right. So you say now my real demand for assisted living in this area is about 1100. And mm-hmm. this is just a rough number. That's how I kind of, but we do the study. Studies have to be done by uh, by the consultants in the market, you know, BBG or you name it, you know, Numark. So there are business consultants who do this study and tell you there's this, there's a demand, right? You mm-hmm. cannot just ha- open a hotel somewhere <laughs> if there is no, there is no, 
traffic there, right? Or you cannot right. have, you know, it's like multifamily, but it is more regulated. So it is more, it is done really with a business concept in their mind. Now you know that 1100 is my demand. And then we will look at within those five mile radius, how much is the supply? How many, how many existing facilities are there? Um, in my case, and I just really gave you the numbers. Um, in my case, you know, my, my, uh, my supply is only 115 beds. Existing wow. supply. So even if I add an, another 150 units, my supply, my demand is still remains the four times the supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wow. 250, you know, 110 plus 150, 260. Uh, and um, so my demand is still four times the supply. So, and banks would not give you the loan unless the demand is double the supply. Mm. It's not one to one, it's one is to two. So, and they, they really look at you very, very hard. Uh, we just happen to be in both of our projects. We just happen to be in rural areas, uh, less than fifty thousand people, whatever. Um, uh, and uh, you know, we are going through USDA loan. So initially, mm-hmm. initially, it's a it's a tough uh, pl- thing to get into. It's not like um, you know, my family. Anybody mm-hmm. can come in. You know, start start now and six months later. You know, you become general partner. It's not like that. But it is a long-term play. You know, it gives you higher cash flow, higher returns. It's a business to run, right? I mean, so you put the right consulting company, right management company on the ground. I can always share a lot of information if anybody's interested. No, no, thank, thank you for sharing. And and I guess that is part of the, the, the play is you got to look at the supply, you look at the demand, but then you look at the approval process, which is, is obviously takes a long time. But then how do you look at the, the, the management piece of it? Because that's always going to be hard once you get the, the deal up and running. Yeah. So again, many, there are a lot of management companies who want to do this for, with you, for you. Okay. Um, and, and I get calls all the time. I had engaged one management company ever since from the beginning. It's a lot of lot of money. Obviously, you have to pay, uh, even though you don't know whether that the doors are going to. I mean, you will be able to close the door or not. So, so we put all that risk money. Um, but there are companies who treat you, you and people like us as investors, and they say, as long as you provide me a place to, you know, where I can run the business, I'll run it for you, because mm-hmm. they own the administrator. They assign the administrator to the building. I, you and I cannot go and run the business because we are not the administrators. We don't right. have that many years worth of experience in the field. We are treated as investors, even though we'll be setting up everything, um, making sure the building is given to them in the right format and manage the building. But they run it, they hire, they have their salespeople. All that goes to all state basically state doesn't give you the license unless all these things are streamlined your sales your marketing your caregivers you know, the training that you provide the rules regulation you name it i mean everything is is taken care of by management company for a fees either a fixed fee or a percentage of the gross and that and that is a do you are you paying a so you said paying a flat flat fee for that do you get the ups like a multifamily? It's like a property management company, so they charge what three percent fee typically on a multifamily. Is that the same thing for these companies? They charge a three percent fee or four percent fee? Yeah. So basically, yeah, in a way, yes. Um, but to get to that point, also they charge you money, right? I mean, they are they charge you whatever ten thousand, twenty thousand dollar per month for a year. 
just to kind of get to that point you know finally opening the door and after that it becomes yeah four percent five percent of the gross plus payroll and expenses and everything uh, but it's not as um, simpler as we manage our multifamily like from an asset management standpoint you are involved a little bit more you know one property in assisted living is equivalent to three properties in multifamily that's what my my thought is you know i mean as of right now we have mm-hmm. to see how that works out um, and and these companies I mean, they are pretty good companies i mean it's not i mean as i say you know multiple companies are calling they give you the budget up front they tell you this is what they're going to do and and this is up to you how do you make sure that they don't deviate from that right and then and i think the guess the, the hard part would be like in multifamily you know everyone's a renter right if someone you know moves out of their house but the, the the renting pool for you, as you just mentioned earlier, it's you know ten thousand divided by nine. Uh, you use a very very specific niche that you're you're trying to attract. Uh, yeah. So you're not having people just walking off the street. You have to you know really target your marketing. So what type of marketing are you doing in order to get those those foot traffic? Yeah, so very very good question. So the marketing uh, is actually very uh, targeted marketing uh, from a digital standpoint. But more than anything else, it is a lot of local connections. You know, mm. your sales department really is connecting with a lot of local um, philanthropic organizations, a lot of hospitals, a lot of you know doctors' offices, a lot of consultants who bring um, you know uh, older folks to you. Mm-hmm. So the marketing is very very targeted uh, because each bed when you fill it up, you know you are starting to make. Uh, for so four to five thousand dollars per bed, uh, and 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 somebody comes in and they tend to remain with you not for six months. You know, if you are doing the good service, and you have you yes. do all that determination upfront, they probably end up staying with you until until the end when the, until the sun sets for them. Mm-hmm. So it is very very targeted marketing, um, and um, you know, it, as I said, you know, a lot lot of local connections. You know, it's not not just you know go to go to digital media and 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 put the ads that's not how it works i mean we do get a lot of referrals from digital media don't take me wrong but uh, a lot of things come from referrals you know doctors you know a lot of hospitals um, hospitals and 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 talking you know basically sending gifts to these places engaging them in the community you know things like that Mm. No, very, very interesting. It's, it's it's a very fascinating space because we're all getting older, right? We're not getting any younger, and yeah. that's always going to be a demand driver. So back to what you're building, I think it's if you can build a good mousetrap, you can then replicate it. Uh, how difficult is it? Just on a final question here, how difficult is it to to look at other markets? You know, like for me as a multifamily investor, you as a multifamily investor, you can sort of go and pick and choose a market, but you really have to understand with the assisted living, what's the local legislation, the local state laws, like who you have to get you know, on board to, to approve these projects. How does that, do you, do you target certain states or certain markets? Yeah, so that's a very good question. I mean, that's the beginning of everything, right? I mean, if, the, if, the, if it is not approved, then it's not worth a penny for mm-hmm. you, right? So you really go into it, look at the project, you spend your time, a lot of due diligence is done. You go to the city, you go to the, uh, you go to the banks, you go to the uh, state to figure it out whether they are going to approve a project of, of a certain size in a locality or not. And typically, you know, if you go to a place where there's a need, uh, the local legislators try tend to approve that. You know, they say that yes, if, if we if you 
and you need to change the zoning of your property also so so basically all that is done i mean there's a lot of due diligence that goes in um and without with i mean without that it would, it would not just move so right. you spend a lot of time you know i would say months and and the basic thing is how you buy it right i mean if you buy an asset which is depressed and somebody is willing to sell it um then it is easy if you try to bid then you will not work because if you are trying to bid and you are one of the five bidders and you have this plan fight in your mind and somebody else just wants to keep it the hotel as a hotel then you you, you are better of walking away from that mm. because you are not going to get um you are not you will not be moving at the faster pace you know it's right. going to take long long time i mean it has taken me uh, more than four, 12 months uh, on on both the project, projects and i've been sitting on both two projects which are likely to close uh, and knock on the wood hopefully one in next 30 days and one probably next 90 days got it awesome awesome mate. and where do you you know last question where do you want to scale this to in the future yeah so basically uh, it all depends you know i want to you know start these i want to probably let them run uh, a little bit more and and kind of test the waters how is it going and then um, i mean I, even though i'm looking at other properties too you have to have a consultant who's on your side you know who can who can look the data look up the data for you like that you know in a split second a lot of thing a lot of things come to to our table but you know we cannot just do the analysis in 5 minutes it's not like rent roll t12 put in in a uh, you know model and say oh yeah it's going to work that's not like that it's not like that right so a lot more analysis is done so i have three people on my side you know who wants to do it um they they do the research for me they have access to the databases um i want to grow it to the next level is it going to work out um, i'm pretty sure it will work out eventually but uh, each project takes long long time yep so i want to grow it i want to grow it i have two projects maybe within a year's, year's time uh, probably the third project will show up somewhere uh, and then by the time hopefully i have my processes aligned then it would be easier for me to answer this question at that time no i i look i think you're doing the hard work that most people don't want to do and that's going to set you up for success in 5 years time you know where you where you have it all it just it goes like clockwork because you you know how to how the system works so i think yeah. kudos kudos to you for for getting in there rolling up the sleeves and getting your hands dirty now at the end of every show we like to dive into the top 5 uh investing tips it's a lightning round are you ready to get into it I am I'm ready. Mate, question number 1 is what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I meditate every day morning and not that that's the goal of my meditation but my deepest level thinking happens during meditation. Mm. The things that I cannot think otherwise I'm able to comprehend them and uh, make my plan in within few minutes, you know. I don't do that for that reason but it does happen when I'm under stress and when I need the deepest level of thinking so that helps me keep going got it i love it i'm i'm a meditator every single day and if i don't meditate in the mornings my day is completely off you know it helps me get centered every morning so yeah meditation is definitely a big key on this show that everyone of my guests come on they tell me that they meditate every morning and the other one is for me is sleep prioritizing sleep sleep and meditation although if you don't get those two your day is screwed uh question number 2 is who's been the biggest uh influence in your career to date So I mean as I said you know I started my journey when my dad my father um you know working together 
my dad was very simple man um, um so i had a spiritual guide you know i had somebody who taught me meditation from a very early age you know i started meditating when i was 18 um the name of the person is uh, p rajgopalachari he is from from india from chennai um mm-hmm. you know i followed him not that i had to like hold his hand or anything i followed the philosophy whatever he said you know don't worry it will you know whatever is happening is happening for a reason in life and i followed that philosophy very well i mean i don't get distressed even if i lose a few bucks here and there um and he has been the most influencer in my life he is no more but the organization is still there heartfulness.org uh, and i meditate in that organization under i'm actually an an instructor i spend a lot of time helping others to meditate to gain peace oh really free of charge yes that's awesome that's awesome i love it i love it question number 3 in your business what is the most influential tool and when i say tool it could be a piece of you know it could be a journal or you know physical tool like a phone or it could be a piece of software that you can't run the business without what is it so i mean um the right now uh, i don't know for some reason i cannot think of anything which is but most important is my phone you know that that without that obviously i cannot run the business and actually because it zoom is becoming an important tool for me because all my meetings whole day you are on zoom right i mean right. you can avoid you can avoid going meeting people talk to them on zoom uh, i must say uh, phone and zoom you know these are two two really important tools for me that's awesome no, i completely agree this is completely changed the way we do our business today with a remote type of working so awesome stuff uh second last question is in one sentence what has been the biggest failure in your career what did you learn from that failure yeah yeah so my my biggest uh, yeah thing that i learned is learn to walk before you you think of running mm. you know learn to walk because you don't know what you don't know um coming into a business and it's very important that you have somebody on your side who can hold your hand and take you to the next level so that is i think is the biggest key um just you know don't go, don't put a lot of hard and money at risk um into a project uh, unless you know in and out of the project and and unless you have somebody on your side who can take you to the next level that's exactly right i love it mate last question uh where can people reach you to continue the conversation they want to be in your sphere where do they go Yeah I mean basically if anybody wants to reach me you know you get to go to my 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 company you know behind me my realty gains myrealtygains.com uh, and then schedule a call with me um that's it i mean that's the best way to uh, connect with me awesome. myrealtygains.com myrealtygains.com yeah Well, Prashant, I want to thank you for jumping on today's show. Just to reflect a few of the things I took away from today's show, I think your ability to understand when enough's enough, right? You, you know, to to have that pivot in in your late later in life. More, most entrepreneurs get started a lot earlier. To to be mid forties and 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 pivot into a business when you've had a year, uh, your multiple decade career um, would have been a tough decision to make. And I just think that's a really great lesson for everyone who's listening today. Show that you you're never too old, right? You're never too old to get started uh, in this business. I think the second part of the conversation where we talked about you know assisted living, it is a very detailed business, and I love the fact that you're rolling up the sleeves, getting your hands dirty. figuring out a niche in the market where 
you could be a market leader someday because you are putting in the hard work today. You're not going and getting you know, 10, 15, 20 multifamily deals a year. You're just focusing on a couple of, of, of assisted living. But once you get the, the machine up and running, it could be very, very profitable for you in, in your investors in the future. So uh, I wish you all the best. Did I leave anything out? No, Reid, thank you so much. No, you kind of you kind of summarize it very well. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I, I, I'm not stopping doing multifamily. I, I will continue to do multifamily because that's the bread and butter. That's where I'm getting the cash flows from. So, mm-hmm. and, and to me, I, I must say that that's easy money as of right now. I mean, uh, but, you know, assisted living probably, uh, once I get a taste of it, maybe I'll come back and, and share my experience here again at on your podcast. And once again, once again, uh, thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Well, look, mate, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you so much, Vic. Take care. Well, there you have it. Uh, a cracking episode jam-packed with incredible insight into Prashant's background and how he got started really from scratch. And then you, as he pivoted later on in life in a, in a, in a very really well-established career, um, pivoting into entrepreneurship, uh, he now is also pivoting into um, assisted living, which is such a very, very awesome niche. And if you're interested to find out more, re- remember, head over to myrealtygains.com. Check out everything he's doing over there. Uh, I want to thank you all for taking some time out of the day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. Uh, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. All the show notes from today will be up on my website at readgoosens.com. There's a whole bunch of content over there, free content. Please go over and subscribe and check it all out at readgoosens.com. We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Go give life a crack.